This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing vitamin D prescribing in adults, and also vitamin D deficiency. So let's start off basically by looking at what is vitamin D. Well, it's a fat-soluble vitamin that's essential for human health because it regulates calcium and phosphate homeostasis. And so it's absolutely vital for our musculoskeletal health. Now, the vast majority of vitamin D, up to 90%, is synthesized in our own skin in the presence of sunlight, with the remaining 10%, sometimes 20%, sourced directly from our diet. Vitamin D2, ergocalciferol, comes from fungal sources such as mushrooms and supplements, whereas vitamin D3, cholecalciferol, is synthesized in the skin in response to ultraviolet light B. Vitamin D3 is also found in things like oily fish and eggs, fortified foods and supplements. Now, the Royal Osteoporosis Society recommendation is that based on the current medical consensus, as well as problems related to the measurement of vitamin D2, vitamin D3 is recommended as the vitamin D preparation of choice for the treatment of vitamin D deficiency. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about vitamin D3 as a recommended treatment here. So exactly how common is vitamin D deficiency? Well, at latitudes above 40 degrees north, people rely on vitamin D intakes and body stores to maintain their nutritional adequacy of vitamin D all year round. Given that the body stores are largely dependent on sun exposure, then in the absence of enough sun, vitamin D supplementation is critical to health. As the UK is above 40 degrees north, vitamin D insufficiency and full deficiency tends to peak around spring, with up to 50% of the adult population calculated as being vitamin D insufficient and 16% being severely deficient. We'll be back after a quick break. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. 
Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. And now, back to our episode. Now we now think that lockdown of COVID has caused potentially more people to dip into the deficiency category than previously. In the United Kingdom, our sunlight doesn't contain enough ultraviolet B radiation in the winter months, by which I mean October to early March, for our skin to be able to make sufficient vitamin D. So during these months, we rely on getting our vitamin D from food sources, including fortified foods and supplements. So what are the symptoms and signs of vitamin D deficiency? Now, the majority of people with insufficient vitamin D are asymptomatic, but several conditions and symptoms do arise from deficiency. And the common symptoms we tend to see in practice are muscle pain. And this is important because I think, personally, large numbers of people who have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia actually have vitamin D deficiency. Now, one of the messages from the Wayside Pulpit today with this podcast is I would suggest that go away and audit your patients who have been labelled as having fibromyalgia. And if they haven't already had a vitamin D test, do a vitamin D test on them. And you may be very surprised at the number of people with fibromyalgia on their records as being significantly low in vitamin D. Restoring their vitamin D levels to to normal can, in large numbers of those cases, significantly reduce their symptoms or even cure them altogether. Muscle weakness is another well-known symptom, as is fatigue and tiredness. Older people with fragility fractures, obviously, um, we can link to vitamin D deficiency. People with more severe deficiency, though, are obviously likely to show more symptoms, usually relating to bone health, but may initially complain of muscle fatigue. So we should always ask at-risk patient groups about their possible symptoms, if they're in a virtual or telephone consultation, as sometimes the typical visual cues from face-to-face consultations are lost in remote interactions. And people with deficiency may also just show generally vague symptoms which can be misdiagnosed, but obviously they still need treatment. Now, there are a large number... This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Because of people who are at risk, obviously everyone is potentially at risk, but some are more at risk than others. And the usual suspects here are older people, pregnant and breastfeeding women, infants and children, people with darker skin or people who cover their skin, those who are housebound in care homes or long-term hospitalised people, those who have significant dietary restrictions such as strict vegans, those on certain drugs, and by which I'm thinking of those on anti-epileptics or oral glucocorticoids, and some diseases which can affect the absorption of vitamin D. Now, vitamin D deficiency is responsible for a significant burden of morbidity and mortality for people within these groups, and many of them may not be aware they're at high risk. Just touching on some of these groups in a slightly more, in slightly more detail, people with darker skin, such as those of African, Afro-Caribbean or South Asian origin, do need to spend longer in the sun to produce the same amount of vitamin D as those with lighter skin. And in fact, one study from an inner city hospital in England showed that severe vitamin D deficiency at the end of summer was found in one in eight white adults, one in four African Caribbean adults, and one in three Asian adults. Vitamin D obviously provides critical support for a healthy pregnancy, and pregnant women with dark skin do have an increased risk of vitamin D deficiency, although 400 international units, 10 micrograms, is effective at safely increasing vitamin D levels in pregnant women, including those with darker skin pigmentation. Vitamin D deficiency in pregnancy is actually very common as calcium demands increase during it. Low concentrations of blood vitamin D in pregnant women may also be associated with pregnancy complications and vitamin D deficiency has been found to be associated with an increased risk of preeclampsia, gestational diabetes mellitus, preterm birth and other tissue-specific conditions. Now, the requirement for bone minerals is highest during phases of rapid growth, and no one grows faster than the fetus and the infant, making them particularly vulnerable. Deprivation of calcium, whether through low calcium intake or low vitamin D, does lead to potentially serious health consequences throughout life, such as hypocalcemic seizures, dilated cardiomyopathy, skeletal myopathy, congenital and infantile rickets, and osteomalacia. If we turn to the older age group now, the risk of vitamin D deficiency generally increases with age. Those risk factors in older people contributing to vitamin D deficiency include a reduced nutritional intake of vitamin D, increasing adiposity, decreased cutaneous synthesis of vitamin D, and less time spent outdoors with subsequent exposure to ultraviolet B light. Vitamin D levels can also be lowered by certain medications, including laxatives, steroids, cholestyramine, phenytoin, and orlistat. And low vitamin D status in the elderly is associated with an increased risk of falls 
and proximal weakness. So vitamin D supplementation is effective in more vulnerable elderly people such as the institutionalized or those who are prone to falls. The management of vitamin D deficiency is that the routine testing of vitamin D levels is not recommended and should be restricted to those with a clear indication for measurements such as high-risk groups and we should follow the Royal Osteoporosis Society guidelines here. Should an adult patient be deficient, then their recommendation to achieve sufficiency is to load those patients with approximately 300,000 international units given as daily or weekly doses over 6 to 10 weeks. And once replete, a maintenance dose is re recommended. And we typically start this within one month of the last loading dose. For at-risk asymptomatic patients, loading doses may not be necessary and lower maintenance doses at 800 international units daily may suffice. Now there is an area here about licensed versus unlicensed vitamin D preparations. The advice from the Royal College of Physicians and the General Medical Council is that wherever possible a licensed medicine should be supplied. Generic prescribing can mean that an unlicensed preparation is dispensed. Legal liability always remains with the prescriber, don't forget. And studies have also shown that food supplements may have variable content. They may also contain unregulated excipients. And there can be issues with both under and overdosing if unlicensed vitamin D is prescribed. The MHRA states an unlicensed medicinal product should not be supplied where an equivalent licensed medicinal product can meet the special needs of the patient. And licensed medicines also have dedicated medical information services which provide information within 24 hours and adhere to MHRA yellow card reporting. So that's a brief overview of vitamin D deficiency in adults, and I do hope you found the podcast helpful. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. We have a great show today, but first, take a second to make sure you've subscribed to our show wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks. Please take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.